the Chemeca Table, a podcast about learning, education, and other Chemeca Community College talk. Here's your host, J.D. Shin. I am super excited to get started with today's guest. Today we'll be talking about leadership. Most of us have had people who influence our lives for the better. But have you ever stopped to look back and wonder what led that influencer to be the influencer they are? Well, that person is is now just the tip of the iceberg of who they were and, and are becoming. Well, today's guest is one of those influencers who is sharing what's underneath the waterline, what made her her. She grew up with a, through a, a challenging career to be who I would call one of the Willamette Valley's most influential women. Now, that's not an official title, so don't get your hopes up, Nita. But especially when it comes to helping people around her raise their own bar. She's the past regional manager of a large A-plus rated company, and now an author, a speaker, and a coach. She recently spoke at our CCBI speaker series, about her nine lessons and has taken a seat with us at the table today. Nita Kennedy joins the table today. Nita, thanks for coming. My pleasure. I love the influencer. Uh, what, what did you call me? Because I want to make sure I say you, that again. You are definitely, in my boat, one of Willamette, the Willamette Valley's most influential women. Wow. That's that's a lot. That It is a lot. Pressure. I feel pressure. Well, I think it encapsulates you. I don't know if you remember the first time we met. Mm-hmm. It was at the Kaiser Days Willamette Valley Greeters. And a mutual friend who is not related to me, but we have the same last name, Victoria Shin. Isn't she the best? Yeah, she's amazing. She's also one of the Willamette Valley's most influential women. Absolutely. But she introduced us and... I, you gave me all the warm fuzzies, and I just I felt like a million bucks after meeting you that very first time. I went, who is this human that I'm meeting today? So uh, that's when I knew this lady is special. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm glad you appreciate that because I appreciated the way you made me feel. People don't remember. What is it? People don't remember what you know, they remember how you made them feel, something to that effect. that is like that. And, you know, that's an important lesson that I talk about a lot when I'm speaking is we treat everyone the same. Mm -hmm. You're kind to everyone and find those positive things that you can walk away and make someone feel um, good about themselves, but also about what they do. And so I appreciate Mm -hmm. you saying that. I appreciate you saying that. Good. Well, don't get too much into your lessons yet. We got to talk about other things. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So would you mind talking to those that are at the table with us right now? um, What it is that you used to do for a living? Yeah. So I spent 32 years with Country Financial. I started as an agent um, in Winnemucca, Nevada uh, in 1989. It happened to be a real transformational. Wait, wait, Winnemucca? Yes. That's the name of the town. It is the name of the town. Yeah, it means one moccasin in Paiute language. So it's in northern Hmm. Nevada. Cool. um, Farm and ranch country. Um, so I uh, started in 1989, and again, during a transformational time with the company, they had just purchased um, 
Northwest Farm Bureau, uh, mm. which was the first company they purchased outside of Illinois. So it was a very transformational. Oh, wow. Of course, I didn't know this when I took the job. So I spent eight years um, as a, a career rep um, building a farm and ranch book, which was super fun, and then decided to go into management, and um, they said yes. And so <laughs> I moved to Eugene, Oregon um, with mm-hmm. five of my six children at that time mm-hmm. um, and was there for 17 years and then was asked to take over a senior team, um, which was here in Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did that for... Um, six years, and then was asked to step into an agency vice president role because we were, again, 30 years later going through a transformational change. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really exciting. So I did that yeah. for two years, and which was two years longer than I said I was going to go. <laughs> I said I was going to retire at 30 years, and I went 32. And um, so now I'm here, and I'm retired, and a happy grandma, and an author, yeah. um, and consultant, and speaker, and loving my life. Yeah, talk about that stuff. I mean, the grandkids, that's always the fun stuff that people love to talk about the most. The kids, I was bragging about my oldest before we went on the air. But what is it you're doing now? So the grandma part I'll talk about first. Okay. Um, not for, I know. <laughs> so when I was working, um, my job was very stressful, very yeah. time consuming. Mm-hmm. You're never off the clock unless you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a box grandma. And so what that meant is I sent boxes for every holiday that included mm-hmm. Valentine's Day or it didn't matter how small the holiday. I put together a box and I would send them to my grandchildren. And so as I was getting ready to retire, everyone said, you're always so involved in the community, so involved with your business. What are you going to do? You know, how are you going to handle that, not having that stress all the time? And I said, I'm not going to be a box grandma anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I'm proud to say that um, over the last two years that I've been retired, um, I've had some amazing adventures with my grandchildren. Beautiful. Um, my favorite adventure is coming up, um, and I'm taking my three oldest granddaughters to Paris for my 60th birthday. Wow. Yes. So I won't spend any more time talking about that. But um, so when I retired, um, I had no expectations. Um, Everybody kept saying, what are you going to do? And other than the no box grandma thing, um, I was like, yeah, I just don't know. We'll Mm -hmm. see. Um, So I sat down and I thought, you know, a lot of people have said, boy, you really should write a book. Um, you know, you have had this amazing career. Um, I don't have a college degree, so being a woman in a, in a predominantly male industry, I really had to fight to get mm-hmm. to where I was, um, stand up for myself, mm-hmm. um, find my own voice. And then being the mother of eight children um, yeah. throughout that period of time. So I sat down and I thought, what kind of um, impact could I make? And I thought, okay, there's the leadership side, mm-hmm. but there's also the parenting side. Yeah. So you see lots of books on leadership. Mm -hmm. You see lots of books on parenting. Mm -hmm. But I didn't see any books that brought the two together. And the one thing that I kept thinking is so many times in my parenting, I pulled from my leadership. Mm -hmm. And so many times in my leadership, I pulled from my parenting. (laughs) So I I decided to write um, Walk With Me, Mm -hmm. um, a, a journey through motherhood and a path to leadership. And it, it was perfect. Mm-hmm. It was totally me, yeah. um, right down to the cover that has shoes on it. So for those of you who know me and my shoe collection. It's got the heels on it. Always, <laughs> always. Um, so that's what I'm doing now. And I really enjoy uh, sharing the message mm-hmm. um, with 
not just women, but with men. The thing that I've enjoyed the most is when men come up to me and they say, I learned so much. I didn't think this was for me. I read the first chapter and I was like, I have to read the rest Mm -hmm. of this. Um, The other thing that I I think it does for men that read it is you have women on your team. Mm -hmm. And what if you could better understand what they're going through and their thoughts? Mm -hmm. I'm very honest um, in yes. the book. I'm yes, very honest uh, to a fault at times. I don't know. I don't know if I can agree with that statement. Okay. It, it's honest and, um, and, and your experience. And so mm-hmm. it, it can't be necessarily to a fault. It's you're just being you. And in that sense, it, it perfectly encapsules you. Thank you. So uh, I, I agree with the sentiment that other men have had including a colleague from upstairs here in this building that just was impressed with the things that we can take home to our wives, to our our daughters, our moms, our aunts, our nieces, whatever the case is, colleagues, you name it, that that we just think in different ways. And to be able to better understand people is never a bad thing. That warms my heart. That means the message is clear. Yes. Yes, it is. This, this is quite a mission, though, that you're taking on. So not only to, uh, I mean, your target initially, as I understand it from our conversations, your target initially was, let's speak to the ladies. And so the book ends up being something that's wise for, for both, that both can benefit from, from this whole uh, walk with me journey that you've been on. But then your consulting is more directed towards women. Is that correct? You know, the consulting has been interesting. Mm. Um, what I have found is I care so much mm. and I want to empower people. Mm-hmm. And so people will call me. Of course, they've read the book or they know me personally. Mm-hmm. And I will have all these conversations and they'll say, you know, do you want me to pay you for that? And I'm like, no. Um, so what it's, what it's evolved into is really outside organizations bringing me in to speak to their I want to say Salesforce because that's the last one I just did, but to nonprofits, as an example, I've spoken at two or three different mm. staff um, retreats. Um, so that to me is getting the message out bigger. Mm-hmm. And, and I say all the time, I just finished another one um, and I said, read the book because they said, do you, are you doing coaching? I'm like, I, I, I am, um, but read the book first mm-hmm. and look at those nine lessons. Yeah. And is there something specific that you feel I can help you with? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's really evolved into continuing to share the mission of Walk With Me. Can you articulate exactly what the mission is? The mission is to share my experience, strength, and hope um, and to give people a voice, mm-hmm. even shy men. I'll use them as an example. And I've known many, um, and, and my family, uh, my, one of my sons is extremely shy and to give them the, the empower them mm-hmm. to have a voice and mm-hmm. to be able to articulate that and put it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, that's the mission. Oh, now I'm thinking about one of my kids and he's, he's super shy too. And, uh, thinking about the lessons that I, you know, when I read your book, Wow, I need to take that to him. The other thing I I would like to mention is when Mm -hmm. I designed the book, I designed the book to become the reader's story. And what I mean by that is after every lesson, um, every chapter, in the back of the book, there are questions. Yeah. 
that relate to the lesson. Right. And kind of helping people to outline, okay, tenacity as an example. Um, you know, what was your aha moment mm-hmm. when you realized that your strongest trait came from the worst time in your life? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that empowers people to say, yeah, this is a strength. And yes, I did get it during one of the worst times in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so making the book become the reader's story mm-hmm. was really important to me as well. Well, that was, I think, one of the most effective parts of the book was that where it asks you to engage with it and write down, because there's something powerful about putting pen to paper mm-hmm. and noting this one. In fact, I almost gave my book away and then I realized, oh, Wait, no, I don't want them reading my, my journal. I'll have to write my own book later to do that. Um, but but that was it was so effective to be able to kind of think through what what really transpired in my mind as I read your story. So powerful stuff there. Um, what was your speaking about the book? Uh, what was your favorite chapter to write? Hope. Hope was my favorite chapter, mm-hmm. and I literally put it at the end for a reason. I wanted to make an impact. I wanted to bring it all around, mm-hmm. and through every lesson in the book, hope was always there. Mm. So that was my favorite chapter. Yeah, speak to the person who is right now maybe in a situation where they just does feel hopeless. I, I mean, obviously they need to read the book, and we'll have a link to it in, in the show notes, but, but speak to that person. No matter how dark the day, mm-hmm. there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that light is a pinprick that you can barely see, mm-hmm. but I promise mm-hmm. that it's there. Mm-hmm. And you have to continue to walk through, step forward, one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's all you can do is take one step, but it's closer. Yeah. Your story reminds me a lot of a, a, a really old book that's a spiritual journey. Uh, Pilgrim's Progress, and it talks about the, the the main character and his continuous journey through the hard to get to the end result. And it's, al- it, it's always hard, but then he looks and he finds hope at the end. So good book, but uh, today we're talking about yours, so we'll just <laughs> leave that one. What was your hardest chapter to write? I would say the motherhood versus childbirth mm. was hard. Mm. And... Um, I got a little cranky in the beginning of it. I, I know every time I reread it, I'm like, whoa. And oh, I think I did. And I even said, okay, enough of that soapbox. And and the reason that I say that is I have eight children. I gave mm-hmm. birth to three children. Mm-hmm. God put five more in my life when they needed to be in my life. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't minimize them. And so mm-hmm. many times uh, people would say, you gave birth to eight children? And I'm like, do we have to talk? I mean, why does, does that matter? matter? Mm-hmm. Um, those those eight wonderful people um, have, were, have been in my life through their transforming years. Mm-hmm. To me, that's parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I got a little frustrated in the beginning um, writing that chapter. And I, I think I actually said, okay, time to get off my soapbox. <laughs> but I, I think I even said at a certain point, we're going to talk about my medical stuff. You know, I, I gave birth. I mean, it was just, <laughs> I, I got so tired of, of answering that question. Yeah. Um, so I think a, a lot of people, I wouldn't answer. And so they really never knew. So again, it's very telling to read the book. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part that was really hard is uh, not all of my kids are perfect. And right. 
some of the really big parenting lessons came from really hard times Mm -hmm. with my children. Mm -hmm. I was not a perfect parent. I made mistakes. I talk about those mistakes. Mm -hmm. Um, I talk about one of my favorite ones is learning to say you were wrong to your children. That's a big one. Yeah. Because you're the parent. Right. And the the story in the book is, uh, I think my one of my sons was 10 years old, and in our house, the sock box with, with that many children, right? We just threw socks into like a hamper. <laughs> and if you got in trouble, you had to sort the socks. It was like, <laughs> you would have thought we were climbing Mount Everest. I mean, it was just devastating yeah. to have to be told you were going to cl- do the sock box. And so one of the, the 10-year-old boys, uh, he had to do that. And um, he said, well, I'm done. And I'm like, there's no way. You've only been doing it for 15 minutes. No, I'm really done. And he, after, you know, back and forth, back and forth, um, he took me and showed me that, yes, it was done. And I said, I was wrong. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And he ran through the house yelling, mark the calendar. <laughs> Mom said she was wrong. And I realized at that moment, you know what? It's okay to teach our children that we're not perfect mm-hmm. and we can be wrong. And it's really okay to apologize. Right. That's one of those lessons that I immediately took into my leadership role and started yeah. thinking, do I tell my employees or my, my, my team when I'm wrong? Mm-hmm. Or do I have that same mentality I do as a, as a mother? Mm. So that was a, it was a difficult, it really had to put some pen to paper on that one. And, mm-hmm. and it was hard to write. Yeah, it, it gives voice to the, the, this idea that leave home at home when you come to work. Where we kind of are the same person. Yeah, I mean, kind of is is in quotes, uh, so it it makes it challenging to to, to leave the ugly stuff at home, but bring the good because the good comes out of the ugly. And I think there's two different pieces to that. So first, there's the mentality side of that, mm-hmm. right? But there's the physical presence as well. And so I would say the lessons we learn are always with us. They make us who we are. But I had to really work to be present mm-hmm. in situations. So as an example, when things were really ugh, at home mm-hmm. and I was at work and I was I was trying to motivate my team, um, I had to really step back from the things are terrible at home. And quite frankly, I always knew what was going to happen at work. I never knew what I was walking into at home. So I appreciated that part. Sure. The harder part was my work was so encompassing for me to walk in the door and be present with my children took mm-hmm. more effort mm-hmm. than the other way around. Mm-hmm. So we have to be present mm-hmm. um, and still, you know, um, hold on to those things that make us who we are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So far in your second career, uh, what have you found to be the most incredible as you step into this form of leadership and influence? I love when people say, our stories are so alike. Oh. So many times you feel alone. Mm-hmm. No one else is going through what I'm going through. Right. No one feels what I feel. Everybody else looks like they got it together. Mm-hmm. That's not the case. Right. You know, it, I have uh, my marketing is bookmarkers that have quotes from the book. Mm-hmm. And I will write that when I'm, when I'm doing a book signing. Um, I will write those quotes. And a woman came up to me and, and she said, I haven't read your book yet, but I'm super excited to read it. Um, will you sign it? And I said, sure. And I wrote, you are enough, Nita. Mm-hmm. And she started crying. 
And she said, no one ever says that to me. Mm. I said, I don't even know you. And I know you are, you're mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. You're looking at ways to better yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important. Yeah. So that message that I continually hear from not just women, but from men as mm-hmm. well, empowers me to keep going. Yeah. How can it not? When you see the results immediately in yeah. front of you, it makes all the, the hardship that's gone on previously suddenly become clear as to why it had value. Absolutely. All right. Our regular spot here at the table is three questions and a thought. We've already had some of this lovely discussion about your book and what you're doing now and you as a leader and so forth, but we can't let you escape without doing three questions and a thought. You ready? Ready. Okay. What was the most important thing from your that your upbringing taught you? That I could do anything I put my mind to. Hmm. That was a big deal. Um, I was not a healthy child. Um, I had a kidney removed um, when I was six years old. So in the 60s, that was a pretty big deal. Yeah. And I remember my grandmothers would always be, she can't, she can't, Hmm. she can't. Mm -hmm. And my mother standing there and saying, she will, and she's going to. Mm. Um, And I don't know if I knew that lesson at that time. I just liked that my mom was standing up to my grandmother. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I, I... That was my mentality. I can do mm-hmm. anything I put my mind to. Yeah. Um, so I have very, very, very supportive parents. Awesome. That's a that's a fun one to get that recognition, not recognition, but that that realization. Wow, they were actually pretty good. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I think coming into probably my thirties, I had that that understanding. Wow, my my parents are rad. Yeah, they so, kind of knew what they were doing. They, well, they pretended well. At the very least. They tried. They knew that. Though. They made an effort. They made a huge effort. Yeah, yeah. What do you enjoy most doing when you're in the Pacific Northwest? Everything. Uh, you know, I live in Arizona now, so yeah. I left the Pacific Northwest. Right. and uh, So we're gone. We're on a four-month road trip right now. So this is the first month. And the first month is always in Oregon. And I had a granddaughter graduate from high mm-hmm. school and um, a friend's son graduate from college. So it's, tis the season, right? Right. Uh, it, my calendar is booked with just people. And, uh, you know, it w- I was so involved in the community when I moved to Salem because I had no children. And so uh, I met so many amazing, wonderful people that we keep in touch. And mm-hmm. so I'm like lunch and glasses of wine. And yeah. I, I try to get to the coast. Um, I always do two or three speaking engagements mm-hmm. while I'm here. If I can do a nonprofit event, I will. Uh, so it's super busy when I'm here. I'm headed to the East Coast where I'll do nothing but hang out with my grandboys and nice. eat good food and that kind of thing. Yeah. So this will be a non-sponsored sponsor moment. Uh, but favorite winery? I mean, you're, the Willamette Valley is kind of a big deal for it. So favorite winery around here? Is that question number three or are you throwing an extra? I'm just throwing an extra one in there. Okay. So I will say that I am meeting someone at Willamette Valley Vineyards today and also that I will order cases of wine to be shipped to me in Arizona. So I don't want to just pick on one person, but uh, yeah. there's so many that it's uh-huh. really hard to pick. But it is. that's a that's a favorite. Jim Berno is amazing when it comes to his community support, mm-hmm. and not to mention he makes great wine. Yeah, um, so he's I, so passionate that. about just the amazing. area, the people, wine, uh, making a good product. Yeah. 
Indeed. Okay, actual third question. Okay. What is the importance of education from your perspective? Twofold. Mm -hmm. There's two answers. Mm -hmm. I already mentioned I did not have a college degree, so I worked harder. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to get an education regardless of whether you do it through a university, a college, or life. Mm -hmm. I feel those that choose a path of business, marketing, entrepreneurship, Mm -hmm. leadership, out of high school, you need that education in a classroom Mm -hmm. because it'll take you further faster, Mm -hmm. right? So a lot of the... the, uh, I call them my brothers now that I grew up with in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all younger. Now they're still working. So at this point I win, but <laughs> um, they're much younger than I am because they had that education piece behind them. So they already knew how to outline a, a business plan. Um, they knew who to reach out to for tips on leadership and growth where mm-hmm. I was a bartender and a single mom mm-hmm. and I went into this and I was like, okay. And I got dirty and mm-hmm. it took me longer. Mm-hmm. I think I love the trades. I love that they've made a comeback. Um, mm-hmm. tech is near and dear to my heart yeah. um, here in, in uh, Salem. Uh, I think it's important that we have options. I think we went through a long time where y- you had to go to college mm-hmm. and then it became, but why? Mm-hmm. So I have a political science degree, and now I'm going into the insurance world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like now young people have a choice. My mm-hmm. 22-year-old granddaughter um, is now in a, an apprenticeship and going to school to be an electrician. Um, she loves it. Awesome. And we tried to pigeonhole her because she yeah. was a straight-A student, mm-hmm. um, so smart, so intelligent, so talented. Mm-hmm. And we tried to pigeonhole her. She got a full ride to a Christian college um, mm-hmm. We were in. We were like, yay. And she made it one semester. And she's like, I'm miserable. You know, so it was a good lesson. There's education. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that education is life. Mm -hmm. So that would be my opinion. Yeah. I I couldn't agree more. I mean, my my story, and and I don't know if you know this, that I dropped out um, similar to what you said, your granddaughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I just, uh, it was terrible. I hated it. And it wasn't the school. It was just I, I was not engaged. Mm-hmm. And so I dropped out, took off uh, 17 years, and went back. Uh, but my grades my freshman year were horrific. They reflected my experience. Mm-hmm. And then my grades later were, were much better. I had some of those life lessons. I'd gotten messy. I'd bumped my head multiple times. And that made that education, despite what it was, it might have been a degree, it might have been a, a trade, but whatever it is, the bumps on my head definitely helped my learning later in life. So, okay, can you share a quote uh, that has led you to be where you are today and how that's played out in your life and career? I love this question. I get asked it all the time. Good. And and I'm going to tell you that when I read this, it was on a billboard in Eugene on I want to say 11th Street, and I was wow. driving to work. This is how I so remember this. Mm-hmm. And I looked at it, and it said, smooth seas don't make a skilled sailor. Yeah. And I was in some rough waves mm. at that point in my life. And I had to, like, next day, slow down and read it again. Did I read that correctly? And it goes back to just what we were just talking about. All of those hard things that we do 
make us who we are. Absolutely. It gives us those skills. It gives us those traits. Mm -hmm. Some of those traits we're pretty proud of. Mm -hmm. Um, I would not have tenacity if I wasn't in those waves. Yeah. There was a book that I read that was, um, and I'm not going to remember the author, which I apologize for, but it was called Bounce. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what, what he talks about is just that in this book. And I love the book. He talks about just write down the trait you're most proud of or that you're most recognized for. Mm-hmm. And so you do that. And then he talks about when did you first realize you had that trait? And nine times out of 10, it's when it was a rough sea. Hmm. that you developed that trait that you're most proud of or that you're most known for. Mm -hmm. So I would say, and I I believe it's Theodore Roosevelt said, smooth seas do not make a skilled sailor. Smooth seas do not make a skilled sailor. Beautimous. I love that one. That's, I need to put that on my wall. I love that. (laughs) It's a good one. Put it right next to the old uh, Rocky quote when he's talking to his son about, Hard stuff. (laughs) All right, time for table scraps, our little trivia segment. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I'm not good at trivia. Okay, go. It's going to be fine. Okay. You you won't get hurt. Oh, good. (laughs) Here's your question. Since, Since you're an author, today's table scraps question surrounds authors. Shemekita has many people who've published books after their time at Shemekita, whether as a student or as someone that taught here. This award-winning poet is now a professor at Columbia University. Please give your answer in the form of a question. Who is Holy Wow? (laughs) I've never heard of Holy Wow. Holy Wow. Holy Wow. So they're a poet. They're a poet. Taught at Columbia. Teaches at Columbia. Currently. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good information. I'm going to know this person, aren't I? Maybe. Because you wouldn't have asked me if I didn't know this person. I'm embarrassed. Um, yeah, I got to stick with my holy wow. Okay, sticking with that? holy wow. Holy wow is not the correct answer. Okay. Shane McRae. Yeah, Do you I know, know Shane? I, I know the name, but I can't place the face. Maybe you've read his poetry. Maybe. Mm. But that's really cool. Shane actually came to school here and then uh, went and got degrees and such and came back and taught. And that was where he started teaching. And then he, he's moved on and done a myriad of other things, taught at a bunch of different places. He's award-winning. He's pretty awesome. He sounds pretty awesome. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Well, maybe I'll get to meet him someday. Maybe. Who knows? Next time you're in New York. Oh, well, I'll be there in about a month. Well, just just hop into Columbia and tell them JD sent you. I will. I'll do that. (laughs) They'll say who? (laughs) Exactly. That's exactly what they'll say. Well, thanks. This has been a fun one. I so appreciate you coming in and and hanging out with me for a little bit. Um, Good times. Yeah, I really appreciate you helping me spread the message. Um, That's super important. And I always appreciate when people want to take a walk with me. Oh, that was so good. I see what you did there. (laughs) You're so smart. (laughs) Oh, good stuff. Um, But I do want to try to go back in a little bit before we completely cut out. 
What did we learn today? We wouldn't be very good as a college podcast if we didn't learn something. So let's let's banter about what did we learn today? Learning curve moment. What did you learn today? Anything? I would say that about myself. Okay. Um, I love that when I'm asked a question, I, I'm able to pull stuff out that I didn't know was in there. Yeah. And that's a, it's always a learning moment. I had a daughter-in-law, have a daughter-in-law that I was doing a speaking engagement. She said, well, are you going to study? And I Mm. said, I wrote a book. (laughs) It's about my life. Yeah. There are no wrong answers. But quite frankly, not knowing the questions ahead of time Mm -hmm. really helps you pull from inside. Right. Because again, you want to share that experience, strength and hope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the the Teddy Roosevelt, President Roosevelt, giving a, a quote about how the rough seas of life make for a skilled sailor. It's a good one. I love that one. I'm going to have to find one. that and get it plastered up somewhere on the wall. So, But that's it for today's episode, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Shemekka Table, where we will explore and learn the not-so-secrets that make this college great and this community great. Be sure to tune in next time when we're joined by our next amazing guest. The Shemekka Table is produced by Shemekka the Center for Business and Industry in partnership with the Center for Academic Innovation at Shemekka Community College. Visit our website, ccbi.shemekka.edu, to find more episodes, training programs, and business support.